Welcome to the EFC Podcast. This is Dispatches, and I'm Brian Stiller. Periodically, as I travel the world, I write a dispatch from countries that I visit, people I meet, movements I see. Today, it's grace in Vietnam. It was love at first sight. Built around seven lakes, Hanoi's French architecture tells of its colonial past, and the food, always and everywhere. Streets narrow, lined with markets of all kinds. I especially noted meat stalls, workers with cleavers cutting meat, or cleaning fish side by side to market gardens and small stores of all kinds. I suspect if you can't find what you want here, it can't be found. Hustle, bustle, everyone is at work. Unless it's evening, then friends and family eat their meal around cooking stoves. In a population of 94 million, there are 40 million motorbikes. They're crisscrossing, it seems bizarre. Yet there's logic in the traffic madness. Polite and kind in their language, forceful, staccato-like, it's easy to hear. The currency, a million dong, equals 44 U.S. dollars. It makes everything here seem inexpensive. In my travels, I look for what I call the footprints of the spirit. Vietnam is a country of tragedy, ingenuity, and beauty. These past hundred years, as the spirit birthed the people of God through horrors of war and still living under a Marxist rule, theirs is an apostolic story. In this country of mysterious contradictions, there's a groundswell of faith. It's not always pretty and petty conflicts abound, yet they are offset by martyrdom and fearless faith, bridging a divided world by wisdom, grace, and the love of Jesus. I hear leaders talk about their care for Communist Party bosses and staff, knowing they too suffer heartbreaks of family and the stress of pleasing their party and are in need of the solace and peace of the risen Lord like the rest of us. Reg Reimer and I walked into a stadium offered by the government for the centennial celebrations of the 100th anniversary of this church. We were with 5,000 guests who enjoyed a three-hour program. It's professional pantomime of history, music, and a picturesque recall of evangelical history and witness was as good as I've ever seen. Something important that I noticed was that the Tindalan Church North, the main Protestant denomination, had also welcomed the largely charismatic house churches to be part of the celebration. And if you know anything about Vietnam, you know how critical that was. The Hanoi Evangelical Church was formed in 1916, and the celebration symbolized the struggles and growth of the global evangelical community. In the 85 countries I've visited in the past five years, it strikes me that Vietnam is paradigmatic, a picture in real time of the old and new, memories in black and white and now digital. One evening I dined with a professor of religion from Ho Chi Minh University with a party member alongside listening. Our cordial and candid conversation was informative and intellectually stimulating. As we left, I commented to the party official, be careful, Jesus will capture your heart. We said goodbyes with smiles and promises to meet again. And before bedtime, I prayed it'd be so. 
At the official service, I was asked, along with my remarks, to offer a blessing to the representative of the Communist Party. And so I spoke of the Hebrew Shalom, God's reign of peace, and offered a blessing for God's Shalom to reign in their nation, among their leadership, and in their personal lives. The representative rose as I left the platform and in respectful Asian form bowed and offered me his business card. In the moment, I didn't appreciate the significance of Pastor Bowie asking me to offer such a blessing, but later I was told that they'd never seen a Christian representing the global evangelical community offering a blessing to the Marxist regime. Obvious in his desire to reach out, Pastor Bowie reminded me that only Jesus can bring healing to those scarred with hatred and misunderstanding. Now, the Roman Catholic Church has been there for 300 years and has paid an enormous price for its faith. In 1911, the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church arrived, and without excusing mistakes made, it seems to me that in the cross-cultural ministry I've witnessed, Vietnam is one example where missionaries showed remarkable foresight. Soon after their arrival in 1911, they placed into leadership national pastors and leaders. And rather than making the church a Western outpost, they indigenized. That is, they handed over leadership to the Vietnamese. Then they translated the Bible into Vietnamese, a translation that was so well done that today, even with recent versions, it continues to be their favorite. The power of the biblical text in one's own language is without parallel. This feeds back into the leadership as nationals are able to exercise authority in preaching the text in the language of their people. Well, next came the Japanese, French, and the United States, a litany of miscalculations on all sides. In 1975, Marxism under Ho Chi Minh took over. And for the next decades, Christians were hounded and persecuted, holding on until gradual semblance of freedom would open doors for ministry. There were four movements of Vietnamese people that not only brought change, but gave rise to a witness of Christ. The first were boat people who fled when the U.S. was defeated, settling in places such as Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore. Many came to faith and became a diaspora, active in finding ways to introduce the gospel to their homeland and to influence Vietnamese wherever they went. Then, Secondly, in the 1990s, the government sent students to Soviet-influenced countries such as Russia, Ukraine, and Poland. But the Vietnamese diaspora sent missionaries to those areas, and many students came to faith, returning to their homeland as emissaries of the gospel. The third group was workers sent to places such as South Korea. There they were evangelized and continued active in faith when they returned to their homeland. And fourth, in the past couple of decades, students have studied overseas, and there they've encountered Christ. And these four movements have been critical in building strong leadership and spiritual witness and service in Vietnam. We drove about an hour out of Hanoi and walked into a housing area where 50 recovering drug addicts were receiving therapy and spiritual instruction. In the 1990s, drugs infested the land, and the government's response was to imprison the offenders. But this only exacerbated and deepened the problem. Earlier that day, I'd sat with three handsome Vietnamese men in their early 30s, all former drug addicts, now running drug centers and pastoring churches. Two were from well-known Vietnamese families. One had even attempted to sell his child to sustain his addiction. 
The government views with amazement these 40 centers in the Hanoi area, providing lasting therapy. This program, along with other services Christians offer, helps a materialistic and communist-led party see Jesus as the true revolutionary, not overthrowing political regimes, but redeeming self-destruction and planting seeds of human well-being. When a party's official son is released from his habits and becomes a faithful husband and loving father, all the ideology in the world bows before such evidence. Although the church in Vietnam has a history of a hundred years, it seems so young. There are few gray heads. I'm the ancient one. This is a generation building a new foundation of advance. From here, it'll move into its next era. Like pastors and leaders in China, the Vietnamese are determined to follow Jesus in faith and to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. They love their country, and they seek ways of affirming and giving recognition to a party whose track record has been less than decorous. You think I was there to encourage? That's true. But I came away feeling the kingdom is arriving in such contrast to my North American home where many think they are fettered by a secular society. Such mutterings in my homeland feel like self-pity, especially after you've broken bread with a pastor released from seven years of imprisonment. He had no expression of being harshly treated. No words that mission is difficult. No pessimism that it can't be done. No whining about being opposed. My friends of many countries, please read with me a page from their history in the making. Their current talks of witness, their charitable love, and their inclusive arms holding each other to Christ's saving and uniting resurrected power. Jesus never promised ease. His kingdom, which has come, is here and is coming. It's not a tea party. It's a kingdom in which his love, holiness, and truth reign, quite above any exercise of national rule, be it communist or democratic, in the East or the West. I'm Brian Stiller, and I serve as Global Ambassador for the World Evangelical Alliance.